0: What's new? How is the world's renewed? My name is Ed Peters and I welcome you to What's New. We return today for one more look at Paul's address to the men of Athens, recorded in Acts chapter 17. We'll be looking at the conclusion of Paul's address and the people's reaction to his message. Paul has introduced Jehovah God to the people of Athens. He tells them that he is the God of creation. He has made all things and he controls all things including the nations, their size and locations. He refers to creation and man's relationship to God through creation. This is not pantheism that he is stating here. He does not say that everything is God. He says that in God we live and move and have our being, but God is beyond this created universe. He also tells them that there was a time when God shut his eyes to paganism, but now light has come to the world, and God asks men everywhere to turn to him. Light creates responsibility. Now God is commanding all men everywhere to repent. Paul has presented God as the Creator in his past work. He shows God as the Redeemer in his present work. Now he will show God as the Judge in his future work. Now we pick up our reading with verse 30 and Luke writes, As for the times of ignorance, God has overlooked them. But now he commands mankind, all men everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged and justly judged by a man of his choosing of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead when they heard about the raising of the dead some scoffed and others said we will hear you on this subject some other time and so paul left the assembly however some men joined him and became believers including dioceseus a member of the city council also a woman named damaris and others besides
1: I'm the one who us
0: are some critics who say that paul failed at athens but there will always be those who mock at the gospel as well as those who believe wherever the word of god is preached there will be those who listen and believe now here with our study is pastor henry harder
2: paul was speaking to cultured pagans in the philosophical capital of the world athens greece Before him was the Areopagus, a group of Athenian men who needed to determine if Paul's ideas were worthy of being heard. What should this Christian Jew say? He chose to focus on God. He chose to tell them that contrary to their beliefs, matter was not eternal, but all matter was created by God. This left no room for idolatry. Paul further informed them that this God could be seen in his creation. Now, that called for a change in them. It called for repentance, a change of the mind about their gods and idols. Paul said he commands all people everywhere to repent. The gospel calls for repentance, for a change of mind and direction. Jesus himself called for it. Peter called for it. The gospel is revolutionary. If it isn't, then it's the wrong gospel. Believing in Jesus calls for repentance regarding the sins of the past. It calls for a reversal of attitude regarding sin and self and God's. It calls for a change in purpose for living in goals in outlook. Once the gospel is accepted, its effect is all-pervasive It focuses on every area and aspect of existence. It pervades all of life. It is not a superficial matter. Now, Paul gave these Athenians and everyone else a good motive for repentance and faith in Christ. He notes that there is a judgment day coming. Paul writes, For he, that is God, has set a day, when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, that is, Christ. Man laughs about judgment, but that is no trifling matter. The day has been set, and the judge has been appointed. It is a solemn fact that for those who do not believe in Jesus, judgment is certain. Everyone will meet the Lord individually, either as Savior or as judge, either on the cross or on a throne. Most humans, especially those who don't believe, scoff at the idea of a God who judges. They scoff at the idea of a God who judges individuals. Actually, the fact of God's judgment proves man's dignity and worth. God thinks enough of you to bring you to justice. He could have just ignored you, but he doesn't. Every unbelieving individual will appear before the Lord in judgment. So the very fact of the judgment of God speaks of man's dignity and worth as an individual. Man must have been an absolutely tremendous being before sin did its number on him. Can you imagine the God of the universe wanting you personally and individually for company forever? I can hardly imagine that. God must see something in you and me and man, which I have missed. Man must have been a fabulous creature before sin entered the human race, that God would personally come and want to talk in fellowship with him. When man turns his back on Jesus, God in human flesh, When man rejects the Savior, God still affords him the dignity of personal and individual judgment. So the very fact that God judges man speaks of man's dignity and worth. Paul's final comment to this council, or court, was a reference to the resurrection of a man, referring to Jesus Christ. To all schools of Greek thought, this was foolishness. That a dead man should be raised was foolishness, but that a dead man should be raised to live forever. That was utter nonsense. Five hundred years before, Paul, a poet, had made the god Apollo say, when the dust has soaked up a man's blood, once he is dead, there is no resurrection. To the Greeks, the resurrection was absurd. At this point, they stopped Paul. Some sneered. They were unable to hide their disdain for this Jew and his absurd ideas. Others were more polite. They suggested that they might hear him again sometime. They brushed him off. No action was taken. But evidently, Paul felt that he had not been able to get through to this group of listeners. He didn't expect to be invited back, so he made plans to move on. No church was established. Perhaps only four people believed. Why the failure, if indeed it was a failure? The problem didn't lie in Paul nor in his message. But in the hearers, in the Athenians, the gospel to the Athenians was foolishness. They were above such nonsense. Anyone who takes that approach to the message of God's love in Jesus will never be reached by it. Man has the terrible right and ability to turn God down. These Athenians did. It became very clear, as Paul said later, that the world through its wisdom cannot know God. And it became clear that the world in its wisdom didn't want to know God. Sin has made man not only incapable of discovering God through human wisdom, it has also made him unwilling to really find the true God. Man wants God dead. That's the way we are. Only the Holy Spirit can convict and convince a human of his need of God and Jesus, and only the Holy Spirit can give man the capability to respond to the gospel and be saved. Since Paul hadn't been given permission to teach in Athens, he prepared to move on. The gospel would not be stopped. There was another Greek city just to the west of Athens. It was Corinth, a morally corrupt and degraded city. That was the next stop.
3: In the dark the midnight have I oft hid my face, while the storm howls above me, and there's no hiding place. Mid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry, keep me safe till the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky, hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand, keep me safe till the storm passes by. When the long night has ended and the storms come no more, let me stand in thy presence on that bright, peaceful shore. In that land where the tempest never comes, Lord, may I The storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky, hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand, keep me safe till the storm passes by. me pass. Let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Till the storm